give God praise for tonight and we thank Him for another opportunity to fellowship together in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. It's a blessed time. It's an awesome time. There's no greater joy than for the sons of God to gather in His name. There's no greater joy than that. I mean, nothing should bring you greater joy than, you know, being in the congregation of the Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible, Amen. because the Bible says that the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Zion refers to us. Hallelujah. We are the Zionites. The Bible says that, and he will record that this man was born in here, and that man was born in here. And anytime people of Zion gather, God loves it. He loves the, that gathering more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Now I want to show you a picture here, brethren. When Jacob, when the son, when, when the Israelites were walking through the desert, how did God protect them? He gave a solemn decree that touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. That word was not only regarding the patriarchs, but it was regarding every single believer. They were the anointed of the Lord. That is the chosen and appointed people of God. That, was what, that is what the word anointed means. The chosen and appointed people of God. And God decreed a solemn word over them. That no man should touch them as they travel from land to land. And as they camped, the pillar of fire led them by night. The pillar of cloud by day. God himself preserved them through the desert. The Bible says that the clothes on their back they did not change it. It did not wither. The soles on their feet did not wear. God kept them. Yet still, the Bible says that God loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. And if this same God who loves the gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob did as much as he did for the Israelites, how much more us? Kelango you see why your heart should be at rest? Hallelujah. There was one time, was it Balaam? Balaam or Balak, one of them. Was it Balak who went to Balaam or Balaam who went to Balak? Bible scholars, help me out. Hello? Bible scholars, was it Balaam who went to Balak or Balak who went to Balaam? <laughs> Pastor Sam, there was a B for the two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one B went to another B, right? Yeah. <laughs> he said, invoke, listen to what he said. He said, invoke curses upon these people. He came and he stood on the mountain top and he saw the Israelites in the valley and they were come there. He said, invoke curses upon these people. The guy opened his mouth to curse them, but only blessings were coming out. And he said, the, 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 the guy was like, I called you here to invoke curses on the people. Why are you blessing them? He said, listen, for there is no divination, no incantation against Israel that shall stand. He says, you can't curse what God has blessed. God says that he loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. And the Bible also says that for and the new covenant of which we are beneficiaries is established on better promises. Hallelujah. 
Where am I saying the things I'm saying? I'm saying all these things to cause your faith to come alive. You see, when you understand the gospel truth, the full gospel truth, there is no way you will ever be anxious or worried in your life. Because you know in your heart of hearts that he that keepeth Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. Hallelujah. Amen. He neither sleeps nor what? Slumbers. And if God could decree over the children of Israel that touch not my anointed, my chosen and appointed people, how much more you? The Bible says concerning you, but you are a chosen generation. You are a chosen and appointed people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's own peculiar people. Shatamagos. God's own peculiar people. Yahweh's own peculiar people. Elohim's own peculiar people. That is who we are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Listen, we are God's own peculiar people. Peculiar means strange. We are unique. There's a uniqueness about us that makes us strange to the world. You understand? There is a uniqueness about we appear like everybody, but you see, there is a uniqueness about us that makes us appear strange to the rest of the world. Like the children of Israel, when the spies went into Jericho and Rahab hid them, you know what Rahab said? He says, The fear of you people has fallen upon the nation, has fallen upon us. <laughs> they had heard of how God had led these people through the wilderness and conquered all the nations before them. So Rahab gave them, he said, let me tell you, our hearts have sunk low in us. Your fear has already fallen upon us. There is something about us. There is something about us. Nobody plays with us. And nobody plays with the church and goes scot free. The church is not the building. Once again, the church is you and I. It's called the in the Greek is ecclesia. The word ecclesia means the called out ones. Let me give you a background a little bit here. In those days, you see, Jesus, one thing I love about Jesus is he always spoke to the people using things they were familiar with. For example, Jesus said. It's more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The eye of the needle Jesus spoke about was not necessarily a camel going through the eye of a needle as in, you know, the little hole in, on top of the needle. No. The gate of the city, there was a big gate and there was a small gate. The small gate was called the eye of the needle. And at 6 o'clock, they would close the gate, but they would leave only the small gate open. And you know, camels are very tall. So when they come, if you come after six, you would have to, the camel has to bend down and go through that small gate. For the camel to be able to go through, he has to bend down. So Jesus was actually talking about humility because, you know, the rich people he was talking about in those days, they were pompous. 
And you can't enter the kingdom with pride. You have to enter with what humility of heart. You must submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ. That was what Jesus was talking about. So Jesus used language that people understood. So when Jesus said, I will establish my ecclesia, the church, he was using a language they understood. The ecclesia referred to the called out ones. And in those days, the people ruling over Israel at that time were the Romans. And you know very well that there was Caesar who was the ruler of all, right? And he had governors who ruled over different provinces. Remember, when Jesus was about to be crucified, there was, there was Pilate, and then there was Herod. They ruled over different provinces. Okay. Now, the thing is, these people, these governors, they were chosen by Caesar to form Caesar's ecclesia. So through them, Caesar disseminates his laws and his ideas through the entire nation of Rome or through the entire Roman Empire. So it's almost like the Senate here. So they come together and the president would disseminate through them. They are representatives of the president or the emperor in this case. And they disseminate the heart, the teachings, and the ideas of the emperor, the laws, regulation of the emperor throughout. They represent the emperor. So Jesus was saying, listen, in the same way Caesar has his own ecclesia, the called out one, I will also establish my own ecclesia. And the gates of it, oh, do you know that nobody could overrule the authority of Pilate and Herod? Why? Because the authority they were functioning in was the authority of Caesar himself. So if you disobeyed Pilate, you disobeyed Caesar. Hallelujah. So Jesus added, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, or will not prevail over it. Meaning that that authority in which they will function, no power on this earth can overrule it. Meaning that we are going to function in the authority of Christ himself. The gates of hell will not prevail. Let me tell you, throughout the ages, the church of God, no matter the kind of persecution that it has suffered, it has suffered and, and, and undergone, the devil has not been able to wipe out the church. There is always a remnant. And the more the church is persecuted, the more it grows. No demon. I'm telling you. So that's why, you know, if you choose not to serve God, you are not doing God a disservice. Never think that you are the only one serving God. God always somebody always has someone else because the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. And I tell you, the church will never go down. Even though there are many problems in the church, and we like to talk about it, and even the world complains about it and all those things, still the church will march on strong. Hallelujah. And I want to let you know this. The bridegroom loves his bride. Who is the bridegroom? Jesus. Who is the bride? The church. He loves it. No, no, no matter the kind of problems that the bridegroom, the bride is facing and the bride is going through, the bridegroom still loves his bride. Hallelujah. Don't forget that. Don't forget. Jesus has not forsaken the church. He will never. He can't. He paid his blood for the church. How can he forsake it? His own bridegroom. And there will be a marriage supper where we'll be joined together. That is why he says, I go to prepare a place. Why do you think he said he goes to prepare a place for us? Because in the Hebrew culture, before a man, when a man is betrothed, when a woman is betrothed to a man to marry him, 
the man would leave the woman for some time and go to his father's house to prepare a chamber where he would keep his bride. And the time that the bridegroom will return, the bride never does not know. So the bride is always waiting expectantly for the bridegroom to return. And by the time he has finished preparing it, he will come back and come for the bridegroom and take him to be with him in the chamber. That is why Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Why? Because we have been betrothed to Jesus as his bride. The marriage has not taken place yet. It would happen when we get to heaven. Hallelujah. That is why as a bride, we must live expectantly for the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is your heart full of joy, waiting expectantly for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? He went to prepare a place for us. And I know it's been long. That is why the Bible says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Why? Because the spirit is here on the earth, grooming the bride. And the bride is also waiting expectantly for the coming of the Lord. So we cry out, Maranatha, our Lord, come. The spirit and the bride is crying out for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are crying out for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are crying out for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are crying out for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Christ Jesus, come, 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 come. And the two angels who were there at the ascension of Jesus, the Bible said that they said to them, says, Oh, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here and look? This same Jesus, I love it. They said, this same Jesus, in the same manner that he left before you, he shall come again with the cloud. When he was ascended, a cloud received him. When he comes back again, a cloud, you come with a cloud. You come with a cloud. And that is talking about the second coming. So the rapture is in between. Because when we are caught up to be with him in glory, after we spent about seven years with the master and enjoy the marriage feast, listen, we will come down as the cloud that will come down with him. Just as he did earlier on. When he talks about the cloud, he's talking about the cloud of witnesses. It refers to people. Not the cloud, the, the clouds you see above here. The cloud of witness. That's what the Bible says that as we are gathered about, as we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Hey, Abraham is cheering us on. I tell you, Isaac, Jacob, Job, Job says, though my flesh fails, is that yet with my eyes shall I see my Redeemer. That's what Job said. He knew he had this hope in him. He knew he had this hope in him. They are there in heaven cheering us on. Imagine David. He's sitting there cheering us on. Cheering us on. He said, come on boys, you can do it. Keep running. Keep running. Don't throw in the towel. They are just cheering us on. As we are running this race. Cheering us on. Cheering us on. Cheering us on. Oh, kapedidikapante say. Kediasontidikapato say. That's why we must run with the heart that is true. Carry the cross and reach the lost. Because heaven is counting on us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, brethren. Hallelujah. You know, these things that we talk about, 
We have to constantly remind ourselves of these truths. Hallelujah. We have to. We have to, brethren. That's why the Bible says that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that you can encourage and admonish one another. You see, you, Abigail, you are admonishing me, I'm admonishing you. Felicia, you are admonishing me, I'm admonishing you. Inchi, you are admonishing Irene, Irene is admonishing you. Lorraine is encouraging, Itza is encouraging. We must admonish one another. The Bible says that encourage one another as far as it is today. Hallelujah. Until the day comes, we must continue to encourage one another, stir one another up, because we are each other's keeper. We must run arm in arms. The race is not about competition, it's about completion. Hallelujah. We'll finish it together. And I made up my mind long ago, brethren. I'm not leaving anybody behind. As long as you are connected one way or the other to this commission, we are not leaving you behind. I will I will chase after you. I will chase after you. Even if you reject me, even if you insult me, Pastor Sam, I will chase after you. Because we'll finish this race together. Until the Lord comes, me and you will finish it together. I tell you, no, 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 no. I will not watch you. And I don't expect that you also watch me. Even when I fall, come and encourage me to get up again. Because the Bible says that, though a righteous man fall a seven times, yet shall he rise again. Entry. Don't watch Pastor Sam fall and let me down. No, 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 no. Abigail, you can't watch me fall and just watch me like that and say, oh, what happened? Sam, I, then you just leave. No, 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 no. You must come and carry me around together. Hallelujah. You see, because I tell you, brethren, on that day, some people will look at you and say, Ah, why did you not force this thing upon me? You know how a lot of people say, Oh, don't force your faith on me and those things. It will get a time is coming. They will wish you had literally forced it on them. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Now we are playing it so nice and all that. But the time is coming. They will wish. When the rich man was in Hades, he lifted his eyes and saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. What did he say to Abraham? He said, let Lazarus dip his hand in the water and cool my tongue. Abraham said, there's a great gulf and nobody can cross. He said, oh really? I beg you. I have five brothers. And Lazarus, he became a preacher in hell. The greatest preachers are not on earth, they are in hell. When they preach a message, and their message is one, repent, for Jesus Christ is true. That's their message. He said, I have five brothers, let them go and tell them. He said, I have five brothers, go and tell them. Go and tell them for me, please. Go and tell them. Look at that. He was desperate to tell his five brothers. He was desperate to tell his five brothers. And I just, that's my, my personal, I simply believe that those five brothers, they represent the five, represent the five continents of the world. I know there are, there are, there are two other continents, but there are five major continents of the world. And I believe that that five brothers, they refer to the five major continents of the world. So go and tell the whole world, please. Go and tell them. Tell them. Plead with them. You see, 
there's the, the, the parable Jesus gave concerning the man who threw the feast and he invited people and the people he invited gave him all kinds of excuses and they, they never came. He said to the servant, go into the street and bring the people. He says, compel them to come in. The Greek word is anakazo. Compel them. Do you understand what compelling means? It means hold the guy by the neck and pull him into the kingdom. You understand? Compel them to come in. I pray that may a compelling spirit come upon us in the name of Jesus. You preach the word. You will be instant in season and out of season. You will not be ashamed for the gospel of Christ. Because you know that it is the power of God unto salvation. To every man that believes, first to the Jew and to the and first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. You will not be ashamed like Paul. Because you know the gospel is the power of God. Called unto salvation, for there is no name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved, except the name of Jesus. But then you hold it. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh yes. Oh yes. And that, that they will, your family members who don't want to hear you now, who are calling you Sofumeko and all kinds of names. That day they will wish. Hey, I'm, I'm telling you, they will wish you you grabbed them and took them into church and you forced it upon them. The people who are making noise against the church and all those things today, they will wish. Hey, oh Jesus! Today you talk to them and they say, "Oh, leave me alone." They will wish and you grabbed them and you took the Bible and literally put it on them. <laughs> okay. Oh, God, dear, so, so, you see, you need spiritual eyes to have such a conviction. If you perceive only with your natural eyes, you become so dull. But Jesus said, compel them, compel them. Compelling power, that's what you need. Compelling power. That's why Paul, listen to what Paul says. says, Paul said, I became all things to all men that I may win them. That's what Paul said. He said I be, you see, Paul was so desperate for them. He says, I became all things to all men, that I may win them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where was I? Where did we even start? We're talking about how God loves all the dwellings, loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob, isn't it? Hallelujah. And look at where we've ended. The Holy Ghost is wonderful. The Holy Ghost is wonderful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Plan to talk about. I was going to talk about our rest in Christ, but you see, sometimes the Bible says that He whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, because God giveth not the Spirit by majority. Let me tell you something. Do you know that Jude, the book of Jude, it was initially not intended to talk about the things. He spoke about. Jude had not planned to write the things that he spoke about. When Jude started writing his letter, listen to what Jude said in verse 3. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should endlessly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. If you look at the original rendering, it gives a picture of Jude. The intention, of, the initial intention of Jude was to write to them concerning our common salvation. But when that holy man of God took the pen and started writing, the Holy Ghost restrained him. And he began to talk about something else. How that they must contend endlessly for the faith. 
the Holy Ghost just switched the subjects. The Holy Ghost said, listen, Jude, the times you live in, you don't need to talk about your common salvation. You have to teach how to contend for the faith. Then Jude began to pour those revelations out. And sometimes the Holy Ghost restrains you like he's doing now. Hallelujah. And when he restrains you like that, you just have to go. The Bible says that no scripture is of private interpretation, meaning that no man, you don't go and hide in private and conjure your own words. But the Bible says that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. As they were moved, restrained, constrained, regimented by the Holy Ghost. They spoke. Hallelujah. So like you today, I decided to talk to you about our rest in Christ. But see where the Holy Ghost has taken us. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Hallelujah. Do you love the Holy Ghost? Do you love the Holy Ghost? Somebody will say, well, Pastor Sam, who is the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. That's a whole topic for another day. I could preach the whole year concerning the Holy Ghost. His name, sorry, his name is not Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is just a descriptive title. It's a spirit that is holy. And it's God. The Bible says that God is a spirit. Hallelujah. It's a spirit that is holy. But the Holy Ghost is, is he that proceeded from the Father. Hallelujah. And he's the spirit of Christ. The Bible says that now the Lord is that spirit. Hallelujah. He's the spirit of Christ. So what is his name then? He answers to the name of Jesus. That's why I say when you go, baptize them in the name, one name, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that he has given them a name that is above every in the name. That at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee shall bow. So the he answers the name that the Father has given to his Son is Jesus. He gave him his name. It's Yehoshua, which is God our Savior. That's the name Jesus which we mentioned. Yehoshua. Or Yeshua. God our Savior. He the answer to, because they are one. Answers to the name of Jesus. So the Holy Ghost answers to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He is the invincible Jesus that walks on your side. Another time we'll talk about the Holy Ghost. But you see, you have a rest in Christ that you need to be aware of. Oh, today I want to do something. So let me wrap this one up and get to what I want to do. Hallelujah. But let's finish what the Holy Ghost wants us before we do what we want to do. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have a rest in Christ, Barry. I want to talk to you. And I know you know it. I know fake generation, we know these things. We, we, we've talked about it before. I want to remind you of it. You see, uh, when you study the Bible very well, our lives is likened to the deliverance of the children of Israel. The church is likened to Israel, right? We know that Egypt, anytime you study your word, Egypt normally refers to the world, right? Uh, the Old Testament, they were types and shadows. So, in as much as they... They were natural places and events and things and people. They also stood for something spiritual. Hallelujah. Egypt stood for the world. The children of Israel represented God's people. That is us now. You understand? And they were in bondage. The Bible says that 
God sent a man by name Moses. Moses was a type of Christ who delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. And they crossed the Red Sea. Crossing the Red Sea was a type of baptism. Hallelujah. The Bible says that they were all baptized into Moses. They crossed the Red Sea. And they they were journeying into the promised land. Now, some believers erroneously think that when you get saved, okay, you have been delivered from Egypt, the world, all right. But from now to the time you get to heaven or Christ comes and goes to heaven, you are in the wilderness. And they think the promised land is heaven. But I tell you, brethren, it's false. Hallelujah. Somebody say it's false. It's false. Oh, say, say it with conviction. It's false. false. I know some of us believe. We believed it before, right? We believe it that we are in the wilderness now, and we, when we get to the prom, the promised land is heaven. No, 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 the promised land is not heaven. I'll show you something here. Hallelujah. I'll show you something here. The Bible says that if Joshua had given them rest, the Bible would not have spoken of another rest. The Bible says that he that has believed had entered into the rest of God. The promised land was the place of rest for the children of Israel, which God had promised them. Hallelujah. And it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, in Christ Jesus, when Jesus came on the scene, when he announced his ministry, he said, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will do what? I will give you rest. This was the rest that Joshua was supposed to give the people by taking them into the promised land. I tell you, Jesus is our promised land. By faith, we have entered that promise of his rest. The Bible says, He that had believed had already entered the rest. So when you come to Jesus, you've entered the rest of God. You are in the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. The land is Christ. Christ is that land. He is the promised land. You are not in the wilderness trying to find your way into the promised land. The only reason why you have wilderness experiences. Listen to this part very well. The only reason why you have wilderness experiences like the Israelites did is because sometimes you walk in unbelief and doubt. What prevented the Israelites from entering the wilderness? Or even when they have finally entered the wilderness, what prevented them from enjoying it fully? It was their unbelief. It was their unbelief. Hallelujah. That's why even in the wilderness, listen to what God said to them. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the fruit of the land. What is the willingness he's talking about? He's talking about faith in, in the promise of God. If you are willing to follow the word of God in faith, and anytime you follow God's word in faith, you obey it. You will eat of the good of the land. The only reason we have wilderness experiences is because of our lack of unbelief. How long will it take you to enjoy God's rest? That's the question. Like the Israel, it can take you 40 years because of your unbelief. It can take you, they were supposed to take only 10 days. It was a 10 day journey into the promised land, but it, it took them 40 years, brethren. There are people who have been in the faith for so long, but they've never enjoyed the promise of God, the promises of God. Why? Because of their unbelief. The quicker you believe and walk in faith, 
the easier you enjoy the promises of God. You are in the land flowing with milk and honey. That is why I love David. David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That man was an Old Testament believer. David, oh, he was an Old Testament believer. That's why I say this man. He was an Old Testament believer, but enjoying the blessings of the new. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Katobushatakaba. Because it's the promised land that is green pastures. Christ is the green pastures. And I know that sometimes the Bible says that, you know, another people, people in the world normally, they'll say that, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. But I tell you, in Christ Jesus, truly the grass is greener on the other side. <laughs> the people, the people of the world must know, this grass on this side, in Christ, is green. I tell you. Every grass in the world is brown compared to the grass in Christ. So it's really greener. So cross over and come into Christ. Hallelujah. But you are, you are in the rest of God. Say me, I'm in the rest of God. Hallelujah. You are there. You are there. Don't let anybody deceive. Say with me, I'm in the promise of God. I'm in the promise of God. Yes, you are in the promise of God. You are not now finding your way in the wilderness. No, you are there. In Christ, you are there. How could you be in Christ and not be there? You are there. But only if you are willing and obedient, that is, if you only walk in faith, you experience the blessing thereof. That's why the Bible says that they just shall live by what? Faith. You see why faith is important? When we have our meeting in September, aside the other teachings that we are going to do, we are going to have specific times, like, you know, one-hour times where we are going to do faith clinics. Faith clinics. We intersperse it with our meetings. Faith. We just teach on faith. We talk about faith, and I tell you, we all teach because we all have experiences of faith. So we all teach. We would we make we work on our faith. Hallelujah. So you're in the rest of God. Hallelujah. 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 Should I go on? I will give you rest of the promise of Christ. What's the promise of Christ? You've entered that rest, dearly beloved. You've entered the place, the land flowing with milk and honey. You are there. You are there. You are there. Oh, Shadina Makos. Just continue to walk in faith daily. Walk in faith towards God. Walk in faith towards God. Every day walk in faith towards God. And how would you, how would you walk in faith towards God? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Meaning that continue to listen to God's word. Continually listen to God's word. And you will continually walk in faith. And you will continually enjoy his rest. Hallelujah. It's a domino effect. It's a domino effect, I tell you. Stop walking around in the wilderness for 40 years. It's not necessary. There are believers, they are, in their minds, they are wandering in the wilderness. But the wilderness is a dry and patched land. God sometimes may show his glory, but that's not where he wants you to be in your mind. 
you, your heart and your mind must be in the place where he has brought you the promised land. Hallelujah. The fullness of all things will surely be consummated when Christ returns, but we are by position in the promised land in Christ. Amen. Because he is the land. He himself is the land. We are in there. Slow milk and honey. The Bible says that there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Oh, Jesus. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The rivers of this land in which we dwell, when you drink of it, you will never test again. Jesus said, I will give him a water. It will become a wellspring of life in him. When you drink it, you never test again. What was he talking about? The Holy Ghost. Ah, yes. And you have become a partaker of this. You become a partaker of this. Why don't you speak in tongues a little bit? Come on, I know you want to speak in tongues, but for courtesy's sake, you've held yourself. Come on, open your mouth and begin to speak in those tongues. I did the power Jesus, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that